KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, presented by Schleider Painting and Home Improvement Company. Schleider Painting, here's your host, Scott Mosby, on KMOX. All right, good Saturday. We're off and running. We have indeed two hours today. Lots of things to talk about. We are upon really the early days of fall. Haven't you noticed it? There's a little bit more wind. Uh, temperatures are high, but winds, breezes are just a little bit more abundant. A few turning leaves on the various trees. Uh, we're kind of sneaking up there. Uh, winter's not here, but my message today is prepare. We are days away from October. October and these days here, we're in the last quarter of the year. Um, you know, days are getting a little bit shorter now, not quite the same as uh, in the middle of, you know, June, June 21st. So we're work- we're working away our way to wintertime, cold, and I know with hot and humid tomorrow coming up in the weather forecast, according to Brian Kelly here, it's hard to talk about snow and I. Anyway, the point being, prepare. Remember the three little pigs? You know, one of those three prepared for the future and built his house for the eventual issues. Uh, it helps. It's time now to make sure that your asphalt has been cleaned and sealed. Your concrete has been cleaned and sealed. Any caulking around those uh, pavement areas have been attended to. Patios, concrete, uh, wood decks cleaned and sealed or stained, whatever that particular thing has. The doors and windows, the weather strip, screens. We are now entering screens, 72 degrees tonight overnight. Yeah, open window temperatures. So it's time now to start thinking about the end of the heat. A nice October every place in this country seems to be just a beautiful weather pattern in October. I love it. Uh, Phone lines here on the Helitech Home Improvement Show, uh, sponsored in part by Schleter Painting. Phone lines are open, 314-436-7900, toll-free anywhere, 800-925-1120, All things are appropriate uh, as well. Thinking about going into the heating season. Now, as things cool off and you stop using that air conditioning quite so hard, uh, it's time to kind of get that heating and cooling service technician. Any of that preventive maintenance, you know, an ounce of prevention beats a pound of cure. Call those guys, get that service tech over, have them take a look, see at your furnace. Uh, It doesn't hurt. Uh, The optimal time, the optimal temperature to get an air conditioner checked is 70 degrees Fahrenheit, 70 degrees Fahrenheit. So basically the month of October is just the, you know, gold standard for the service techs because all their gauges are set up around uh, the most efficient range for those refrigerants. That's 70 degrees Fahrenheit. So keep in mind, now we're getting into those times. Uh, Get your furnace checked ready for the heating season. Filters, condensate line cleared. Oftentimes I get questions here on, I have a water leak right around my furnace. I can't tell where my foundation and house is leaking. And it's related to 
your air conditioner. You know that kind of thing. Most of you that have been homeowners for a while, you know these things. All right, we're on a mission for the new homeowners coming into your life and mine, University of KMOX, the KMOX family of listeners and community, St. Louis and the Midwest, you know, four-state area, or at nighttime, really pretty much the entire United States or North and South America is our family here. But the new homeowners need a little bit of help. It's kind of a new thing. They're used to social media. However, they're asking their social media peers, which are generally about their age, who don't know the answers to these as well. Here we go. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Also, camwex.com, radio.com. Take me anywhere you want to go. Podcasts available of this show and all Camwex Home Improvement Shows right here, right on radio.com, camwex.com. Always 11 to 2 in our daylight savings time. Uh, we will sneak out of that a little bit as we sneak into November. Again, my name is Scott Mosby. I own and operate Mosby. Mosby Building Arts. We have been around for a very long time, over seven decades, uh, founded in 1947 by my father, Sam Mosby. I'm very honored to keep the ball rolling and continue the relationships with, you know, sometimes four and five generation customers. We get handed down just like, you know, the family Bible. We're not as cool as the family Bible, no doubt about that. But golly, we've got a little bit of longevity. We haven't been around for millennia. We don't measure Mosby Building Arts, you know, in B.C. and A.D., you know, none of that. We're not that old. Anyway, but we try to collect information and knowledge in a similar method as that. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. We will talk about things preparing for winter, completing summer, getting the safety and comfort and security, yeah, locks, doors, all that stuff, that matters and how we go about, we'll talk about outdoor lighting, indoor lighting, indoor lamps, uh, lamps being light bulbs. We can talk about LED, CFL, anything you want to talk about. And we've got rain. And when it comes, what you know, like, like the Morton Salt ad, when it rains, it pours. Helitech can help you with that, but we can talk about that and more right here on University of KMWX. Uh, one other thing I want to remind you about a remodeling seminar. Uh, next one coming up that is actually next weekend at Top Golf. That's uh, about bathrooms. So everything related to bathrooms, fixtures, tile, floors, paints, shower doors, faucets, repairing faucets, warranties, how to get things taken care of, color coordination, color palettes. What, you know, if you pick this kind of a faucet, what other thing? Anyway, the long and the short of it, I'll give you kind of a, a, a peek into next week's program. Once you pick something, one or two things, primarily, if you pick a floor and a color or a county t- countertop and a color, the science of color and the designers at Mosby Building Arts and Wright Bath can help you with that because, you know, there's a, a you know, it's kind of like a family. It's a relationship. So in this color hue, these are coordinating colors and these are colors that don't get along. And ladies who've been doing cosmetics for years and selecting, you know this stuff. Whether you realize it's the same thing or not, the science of color is. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Scott Mosby, Kim Wicks, at your service. Now, back to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Sponsored in part by Schleider Painting and Home Improvement Company on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. 
All right, a reminder for the bathroom seminar coming up next week, October 5th, at, at uh, Top Golf. To- uh, golf is not included. However, if you want to, uh, there will be a uh, water testing as part of that. Uh, so we've got um, a water testing service that will be part of that bathroom seminar. Bring samples of your water for hardness and things like that. Uh, but to Top Golf, you can RSVP at callmosby.com under seminars up at the very top. Uh, golf is not included. You're welcome to stay. Uh, bring your water samples. Bring your questions about bathrooms and all of that. Uh, let's get started here and talk to my friend Al. Hey, Al. Good morning. Welcome to KMWX. How can I help? Yeah, thank you. Good to talk to you again. I have a question. So we have a 50 year old home with a full masonry fireplace, and for the 40 years we've lived here, I've been able to keep that cement top uh, on you know intact from cracking and everything by keeping little cracks filled every two or three years. I'll soak it with Thompson's water seal. Yep. And uh, but I'm kind of getting tired of doing that. And I had an idea the other day. I don't know if there's a downside to it, but of having a metal cap basically fabricated. And the flue that actually comes up is probably about a 10-inch at uh, a red clay tile. It would fit down over that, and then the thing would hang over, you know, the sides, maybe an inch or two. And I would keep the uh, sleeve that goes over that flue up high enough so that I wouldn't have to seal it. It would be covered by the rain cap. And my question to you is, uh, do you see any downside in something like that? I still have to consider the aesthetics. I thought about copper, but that may tend to bleed. Uh, so maybe a stainless, but I guess uh, the question is, do you see a downside in doing something like that? No, only in the copper and the, uh, you know, the associated uh, green um, dye that drips off of that. Uh, keep in mind that masonry cap needs to be replaced. It's like tuck pointing, but being in the flat like a slab of concrete. Uh, those also get replaced by the masons. Uh, and I might, uh, it, it, the metal cap, long and the short is, suitable option. Works great. Aesthetics is the issue. On frame chimneys where we have unit fireplaces, places that have stacked up metal bestest chimneys and all the best way to finish those chimneys out is with a metal cap so it's not a new thing applying it to a masonry chimney on the top full masonry like that l is a suitable thing not uncommon again the aesthetics you're changing materials and the downside uh, the upside is stainless steel is the right answer the downside is those critters get pretty shiny uh, you can kind of change uh, ch- uh, choose your stainless as to how shiny that uh, gate or not or the type of stainless so there are many different ways that stainless steel is made with certain amounts of nickel some stay shiny and some tarnish out and take kind of a flat finish like a brushed aluminum so yes is the answer i would bring it down about four inches uh the issue is by the time you put this thing up on the chimney if you've got a cap that's been going south on you and failing i would have a mason get up there on the top and take a look at the top six or ten rows of uh, bricks as well because oftentimes when those caps uh get um, tired, uh, the mortar in between those other bricks below also do. So don't rule out a masonry cap. Uh, do include a good mason going up and checking the top of your chimney. And yes, metal is an appropriate cap. Okay. Um, could you recommend a fabricator if I were going to go that way, or can I call into your office and, and get that and maybe a, a a mason or a mason's guy to look at this or oh sure uh, okay. and, there, and there are say uh, but it's usually stainless steel metal fabricators one of the oldest in st louis uh, i'll give you the name on the air is lacini l-a-c-i-n-y 
Um, they we've been involved with them for decades, as has most you know good companies mm-hmm. around town. Uh, but you're mm-hmm. welcome to call our company, and and that's probably the name we're going to give you. But uh, all right, yeah. what about a mason uh, to uh, uh, to replace the? Uh, you're saying that you know, I should possibly replace the cap. The cement cap also, and some of the bricks yeah. around the top. Before I do this, well, we you have, recommend anybody for that, or I happen to, but it, it's self-serving. We have our own brick mason that has joined Mosby okay. about eight, ten okay. years ago, and he's fourth generation brick mason. So, no shortage okay. of experience there. I'll call in. Okay, thank you very much. All right, Al. Good question, and thanks for being on top of that cap. By the way. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Bye now. Bye. And there you go. I mean, uh, for those of you that are aware of it, if you have a brick or stone or full masonry chimney, that chimney goes up on the sides and you're looking at the side. But on the very top, the roof, if you will, of that chimney is a flat surface. And there are cement or mason caps that put uh, in it, it. It's a different mix than normal mortar. It's not just concrete. It's not just mortar. Uh, sometimes there's even a little bit of fiber reinforcing that gets mis- mixed into that, which kind of holds it together a little better. Uh, but anyway, that thing doesn't last as long as the chimney tuck pointing. So generally, uh, and Al did a really good job. He's been up there every two or three years, so he's probably aware of whether those bricks needed attention or not. But uh, again, just compliments to, uh, to Al for staying on top of that, being aware of it, because I'll tell you what, um, that's a fast way to get rid of thousands of dollars is by ignoring the top of your masonry chimney because it's like cancer. When that water comes in on the top, cap fails or right around the flue, and the flue gets very hot and very cold in the winters, so it gets bigger and smaller and bigger and smaller. So its joint around that masonry cap or metal cap, as Al is considering, all those things, you know, those that's that's the little hole in the dike that the Dutch boy tries to put his finger in. So it, keep in mind, it is a big maintenance item, and that's important to take uh, consideration of. Uh, let's go uh, visit with my friend Art. Hey, Art, good morning. Welcome to KMOX. How can I help you, sir? Hello, Art. How are hey, you, there? sir? I'm fantabulous. Yes, sir. You're on. Okay, I I, uh, I live up uh, northern, up, up north in Chicago. Okay. But... Um, I want to put down some of those uh, drain uh, pipes next to the foundation, and uh, I went and bought some with the sleeves on them. And I want to know which one you think is best. Uh, I like the fabric sleeve. Uh, I like white PVC pipe, the the smooth wall stuff. Uh, if you have the corrugated stuff, it will remove the water, but you have to be kind of a rocket scientist to get that stuff in flat and straight, and, and I'm not a rocket scientist. So, again, what I like about a straight PVC polyvinyl chloride, but it's the white stuff you see in the hardware stores and the home centers, you know, it's like a two-by-four. You can, you know, you... you Put it down and you slope it. Uh, the holes would go on the upside of the pipe on the black ADS uh, corrugated stuff. Usually there are holes mostly all the way around that hole or around that pipe. Uh, but the fabric is an advantage for it, uh, especially if you're using it out in a yard art where uh, soil keeps trying to get into that. Uh, but as far as, as far as carrying water away, I prefer a smooth wall straight pipe, which really is one of the uh, PVC. It could be called Schedule 20. Could And it's, you'll see it on the pipe uh, right on the side in, in ink, uh, SCH-2. 
220 SCH-35, and then it might say SCH-40 or S&D. Uh, basically, you, you know, when you put your hands on it, you're no, you'll know how long it lasts. But uh, uh, those are diff- the higher the number, the thicker the wall of the pipe, and uh, I like what you're doing. No, no. Go back. You were saying that the uh, the the one. I think the one I bought with the sleeve is is not the uh, PVC. Probably not. It's probably the coil stuff. It's it's inexpensive. It comes in a roll. The problem is it keeps trying to go back to that same shape as a roll, um, and it it's hard. That uh, for example. Anyway, it's most commonly used at the bottom of foundations, but it is the least costly way and, in my opinion, the hardest to handle and the, the shortest life for effective service. So I like so the So is that the same thing? Yeah. Is that, I'm sorry, Scott. Is that the same thing, the ones that have the, uh, they're like 20 foot feet long and they, and they look like big, uh, big Q-tips or something like that? Yes, yes. Yeah. Those are the ones you're talking about. Yeah, I like I like the straighter pipes though. Usually come in ten foot sections, Al. Yeah, those are the ones that those are the ones that I bought. Yeah, those those are fine as long as they're straight. If you put it over your shoulder and you carry it like a two by four and it stays straight, that's good stuff. Okay, okay, gotcha. gotcha. And, and the sock, the fabric is a plus, but most of the times you don't really need it if you're putting it next to a building and that's covered with concrete. If you have it out in your yard where it's soil and dirt and grass, then the fabric starts working for it. Well, it is going to be right there because I got maybe a four-foot piece of uh, between my house and my neighbor's house. He has a walk, and then that's about four feet of uh, lawn there. Ah. On the sloping end of my house or where the street slopes and on the low end where my sump pump is, yeah. And that's where the water pools off of his uh, walk and into that grass and then down into the uh, crevices of uh, my basement. <laughs> I get it. I, you make it a better offer, Art. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there a formula to putting those things in? Um, uh, no less. Uh, a quarter of an inch per foot fall. So when you have a straight okay. pipe, basically two and a half inch drop for every 10 foot section. And uh, for the way I do that is use a two-foot level or a four-foot level. And basically, four-foot level, if it's a quarter of an inch, I need to have a one-inch drop in that four-foot level to be a quarter of an inch per foot. And then that just carries out through that 10-foot pipe. And I just, you know, prop it up and down until I get the right fall. Uh, I like to put my pipe in the trench first uh, so I can kind of stick my eye down on it, like looking for a contact lens on a floor and just see if that pipe is running straight because straight to the eye is straight to the water, too. Okay, okay. And are we talking like a, a, a cover or undercover of uh, plastic and then uh, rock under that? No plastic. No plastic. Uh, that's where that fabric comes in or some sort of a landscape fabric. You need a membrane art on top of that rock. So around that pipe, you put the pipe right in the trench, you fill it up with clean rocks. So it's it's just rocks like ball bearings. There's no dust, sand, or what's called fines, F-I-N-E-S, fines in between. If you put that stuff in, that's like concrete and the water will just keep running off, you know, and right into your basement. So clean gravel that has no, you know, sand and small stuff in between it. And then this fabric over the top of the, of the pipe and the rock. Okay. All righty. 
And uh, it's called a French drain. Uh, you can look it up on the Internet, Art, to kind of revisit this. Uh, you can either do this on the podcast, go back and listen to what our conversation was, but you can also look it up in how to install a French drain. And it kind of describes a similar situation here, but the big ticket you won't see there is make sure it's a rigid, straight, smooth wall pipe. Okay, rigid, straight. Yep. Thank you, Scott. Okay, Art, good luck, my friend. All right, have a great day. Bye now. I don't know, should I have given him trouble for being up in Cubville? Uh, we took a whooping from him pretty good last night, it seems. All right, 314-436-7900-436-7900-800-925-1120. This is Scott Mosby at your service. Stay tuned. We're going to talk about some fun things. When we get back, I, I'm I'm getting a little bored here, you know. It's, you know, the sun's not shining. Um, let's do construction jokes. I'll start us out. Now, the rules are... You know, it has to be clean, it has to be respectful, and hopefully it's funny. Although funny is in the eye of beholders, so I'll get us started and see if you can come up with something. When we come back, we're going to talk about construction jokes right here on GAMWAX. Now, back to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, sponsored in part by Schleider Painting and Home Improvement Company on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. All right, phone lines wide open here. I chased too many away in the first segment of questions and answers here. Uh, 314-436-7900-436-7900-800-925-1120. Lost Mick on the line, probably uh, time. Anyway, the question was about sump pump. I'm going to give you a little bit of a summary about sump pump and then go to the... uh, the construction joke that I promised here. It'll be short and hopefully sweet. Uh, anyway, around sump pumps, normally put on the inside of a house, many, many homes <clears throat> have sump pits or buckets or the plastic tubs buried in the basement. Uh, for example, 50 years ago, uh, drain tile was clay tile sections that were 16 inches long. They would be laid about an inch apart down around the foundation out outside at the bottom down by the footing before the backfill or the soil was pushed back into the hole next to the concrete or stone foundation. Then they were covered with gravel. Normally, no membrane over the top of that gravel. And in some cases back then, the membrane, if they used it at all, was straw, just like bedding straw for horse or a, uh, you know, stalls, but just straw, not hay, straw. So they would put uh, handfuls of straw down on top of that soil so that the water with the mud that was coming through would kind of be stopped by the straw somewhat as a membrane, if you will, and then the drain tile would pick it up. That stuff generally didn't have anything on the inside of the house. Most homes back in that day had no interior drain tile. Then we started finishing off lower levels because we were doing poured concrete basements. Uh, And if you've got questions about that, we can take that at 314-436-7900. Or 314-436-7900, toll-free, 800-925-1120. Come into 30, 40 years ago, we started finishing basements, lower levels. We had these nice poured concrete foundations. Space looked pretty good, seemed to be pretty dry. Let's go ahead and finish them off. Uh, But the inside water management wasn't necessarily present. Uh, Builders then had complaints around the water coming in around the basement, wet basements and all that problem. They figured out, you know what, let's just 
just avoid this problem, go ahead and put the drain tile around the inside in a sump pit. Uh, and then they, oftentimes they just didn't put the pump in. It was easier to put it in when they were in new construction cons foundation building phase than it was to go back and jackhammer if they had the problem. So a lot of houses, a lot of listeners out there might have basements that have drain tile and a pit and no sump pump. So, so that's okay. But the sump pump then, if they get a wet basement, you go back in, you hook in the sump pump, you install it, drain it to the outside, put in a J ground fault uh, circuit interrupter GFCI outlet there, and you're good to go. So sometimes you have it on the outside, not quite finished on the inside. Then you've got a few clever critters that um, will put the sump pit in without the pump and no pipe. So it looks like you've got drain tile, and in fact, you don't. So you can have water in that sump pit. We can talk about that in sump pumps, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Now, you may have a sump pump that's been in your drain tile or whatever, and it's working fine, but if it's 5 or 10 years old and it works regularly, it's probably in good shape, but then you get into preventive maintenance. What if that pump quits working? That would be bad. And then we started putting in battery backup sump pumps so that if you lose power, Ameren goes out, you know, goes on the fritz. You have no electrical power from whatever your Crawford co-op or whoever is providing power, you know, and we get some dandy storms. So Mother Nature wakes up and reminds us who's boss. Uh, so you lose power and then you might have a wet basement on that one. Good night. So again, if you have an older sump pump, five years, 10 years, and it, it works a lot, it's in better shape if it gets used more often. Um, but I, it, you get me around a sump pump about 10 years old, I will replace that just on preventive maintenance basis. Uh, also, exercise that sump pump. Dump a five-gallon bucket, couple of them into the pit. Make sure that pump comes on. Make sure it pumps the water out. Give it a little bit of exercise. If any of you sit down too long or have had any kind of injuries or such and you wind up infirmed and, and recovering and your mobility is not so good, getting started after a period of inactivity really hurts. Well, so the same for a sump pump. So keep that in mind. All right, here's my quick uh, uh, funny and then on to the phone lines. A uh, uh, fellow was out of work, came around to the neighborhood, knocks on the door, uh, knocks on the door. She says, hi, my name's Mrs. Smith. Can I help you? He says, yeah, I'm out of work. I'm looking for a little bit of help. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I can paint uh, stuff. I can do home repairs, whatever, uh, you know, any of that. And she says, well, I've got a porch around back and it needs painting. Do do you, can you paint my porch? He says, sure. And she says, well, I'm going to go out, run to the store. I'll be back in a little bit and we'll talk when we're done. And hopefully you're finished painting the porch. So she comes home, goes inside, knock, comes on the door. Hello, Mrs. Smith, I'm finished. Uh, you know, I, I've got a little bit to report. I'm finished painting. Um, but, you know, it's not really a porch. It was a Ferrari. For you non-car guys, that means he painted her car, not the porch. All right, enough of that. Your turn. You're on. Next construction joke here. Let's see what's cooking here with my friend Pauline. Hey, Pauline, good morning. Welcome to Camwex Help. <laughs> or we have more jokes coming. How can I help? Yes, I had my uh, yard light converted to uh, by Yard Bright. Uh -huh. uh, it's, it runs through a, a uh, low-voltage uh, a little low voltage thing. Yeah. But I'm wondering, 
he never returns my calls. There's one man who has can controls all of these low voltage converters. Uh, I'm wondering if a regular electrician could convert this back to regular electric. Oh, sure. Uh, it, it means putting in a different wire sometimes because going from 120 volts down to 12 or 18 or 24 volts, whatever it is, um, sometimes they use the old uh, heavy wire. And it's suitable for that. If this old heavy wire is still in, Pauline, uh, mm-hmm. generally they can change the wiring, test it, and change it right back. But an electrician can, this is, this, this is pretty basic electricity for a good electrician. Okay, okay. Thank you so much. You bet. Good luck. All right. Bye now. Pauline, just wanting to change from a low-volt light, and the issue is with low voltage, uh, they're inexpensive, they're cool. If a critter or a dog or a pet chews through the wire, the low voltage just won't hurt anybody. 120 volts can hurt a little bit, so that's an issue. She just wants to convert uh, from that low volt, which then goes into a transformer, so there's a few extra pieces involved in low voltage landscape lighting as some of us might know it so she's asking can i just convert it back uh usually yes uh but with that an electrician can easily do that well within the bandwidth of um, electrical work and a licensed electrician they may have to run new wire a uh, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120 uh, we're going to take a short pause come right back we're still looking for construction jokes you know i'm just getting bored here locked in this room here have a few windows a little overcast not a lot of sun you know uh, oh i'm just going to eat some worms here not really your turn here on camwex now, back to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, sponsored in part by Schleider Painting and Home Improvement Company on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. A uh, question I get occasionally uh, is on kitchen remodels and bathroom remodels when you're taking out pantries, storage, making doors and windows wider, adding windows, things like that. Uh, is it required, necessary to have an architect? It's really a great idea to have an architect. The more voices and input experience you have, uh, architects are generally big picture, flow, how the space is experienced and how uh, it interacts with the people. Then you get down into a certified kitchen designer or certified bath designer as it were, whichever one, uh, and then you get into the cabinet layouts and all the... Uh, so then you get into the construction of where does the electric go. So a multi-team member, including an architect, is generally uh, the answer for most of the kitchen remodels. If you're just replacing cabinets and tops, generally you don't need anything like that. Uh, it's mostly in uh, the uh, kitchen designer, but if you get anything like adding windows, moving windows, opening doors, uh, wider openings, putting in a, all that stored architects, very important. Let's get to Jim, see what's happening with my buddy. Jim, good morning. How can I help my friend? Welcome aboard. Uh, thank you. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, yes, I've got a question. I've got a house that's about 22 years old. It's got brick veneer on the front and sides. And I've noticed as I start to go through and recalk some of the windows that I've got some pretty good gaps between the brick and the windows. Can I use uh, that foam uh, caulking to put that in and then caulk over top of it uh how wide is the opening jim uh some openings are maybe 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 as high as a half inch uh, half inch, I would not use foam. Yes, you can use foam. Problem with foam is it's an expansive, even the minimally right. expansion stuff. Uh, I would use backer rod. Are you familiar with that? 
No. Backer rod is a, it's like a hose. Uh, you buy it at the hardware store, at the home center. It is foam rubber that is round like rope. And it okay. just rolls out. It comes in quarter-inch diameter, half-inch diameter, three-quarters, one-inch. So if you've got a half-inch gap, and we use this on concrete and pavement and windows and doors because it, it is the perfect uh, foundation for high-quality caulk. You take that, you get, if you've got a half-inch gap, you get three-quarter-inch uh, backer rope or, or uh, foam backer. And, and when you get to a hardware store and you look at it, you'll know it's like, yeah, that's the stuff. Uh, and you just stuff it in there about a half inch deep or quarter inch deep, and then you lay your caulk in in lifts. You're not going to get it in one application. If you're caulking half inch, uh, your 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 tube is still going to be about three eighths of an inch wide. You're going to lay ribbons up and down that caulker rod, and make sure you have a very clean and dry surface on both surfaces, the brick and the window itself. Uh, wipe it down with uh, denatured alcohol so it doesn't leave any oil residue, no dust, and all that. And and right. then let that caulk set up, and it'll shrink a little bit. And then it, you may uh, put lifts, as we call it in, you know, backfill and all that, but in caulking. So then put a second layer and then a third, and then probably your third and fourth, you're going to start to tr tool or trowel, or if you're any good at it, you know, uh, you need a magic finger in there to tr trowel it out. Right. Right, right. Okay. Okay, perfect. Thank and so I much. would advise generally a urethane caulk. Um, there's a one-part and a two-part. Two-part urethane is not necessary, but you'll know it because it's it's about $6 a tube for the small 10-ounce. And when you get the 30-ounce tubes, the big quart tubes, if you will, you know, those things are, you know, $15 a tube, but uh, that'll work out for you. Back around. And what's that? What's the benefit of that over just the latex caulk? Uh, uh, well, latex caulk, especially when you get a half inch wide. For example, when we're building a hundred story building, the caulk between the windows and the and the siding or surface that's always a urethane caulk because of the cost to get up to it. So they use very high quality quality caulk. It's just a better material. It expands and contracts better. Uh, latex for an eighth to a quarter inch gap is fine, but the life on latex latex does absorb moisture. It will get moldy and mildewy, um, but the uh, urethane caulk generally will come in colors, fewer choices of colors, generally not as paintable as latex. The advantage of latex caulk is it can be painted because it is porous. Uh, advantage of the urethane caulk is it is not porous. Once that stuff cures out, you know, it is what it is. So uh, if, you if you're not a real good caulker, put masking tape along the edge of the window and along right. the edge of the brick so you can make a mess all over it and just zip it off and make it clean because, you know, anytime you're getting in there with a finger, as I sometimes do, I, I don't trust me a bit. I, I prepare for the worst and then come out with the best. Exactly. Okay. Thank you so much. All right, Jim. Good question, my friend. Thanks. Bye now. And uh, let's see if we can sneak Nancy. Nancy, can we do this very quickly here? Good morning. How can I help? Um, I, ha I have a problem. We have two sump pumps in our house. The one never runs. The other one does, but it produces sewer gas smell all the time. How do I get rid of that? Am I supposed to clean the pumps? Uh, yeah, well, if the in the one that doesn't run a whole lot there, Nancy, uh, I suspect you just have stagnant water just 
stinky. So I dump a little bit of bleach down and scrub down the side. Uh, the one that runs all the time keeps replenishing itself. You can dump a little bleach down that as well. But think of it as kind of like a drain in your kitchen sink. Uh, if ugly stuff comes in, it'll smell. So uh, give it a little scrub just like normal things and off you run. Sorry, running out of time.